Hello and welcome to the Parent Playing Video Games podcast. On this podcast, I'm going to be going through how I enjoy the hobby of playing video games while also keeping it relative to being a parent. I'll be going through things such as different games that I'm playing uh, and I'll also be going through the meat of the episode which is actually going to look at uh, a game, maybe an old game, maybe a newer game, but games that I've played that uh, are near and dear to my heart. So currently, I am playing Metroid Prime Remaster on Switch. Uh, I played the game uh, probably about 20 years ago, way back when it released on the GameCube. And, uh, you know, I'm actually right at the very, very end of the game. I uh, got everything I need to do, and I just have to kind of go down and uh, give her to the the Prime of Metroids. Um, Absolutely fantastic remake. Really, really cool. Uh, The graphics are so good. It's so smooth. Plays really well. So I've been really, really excited for that. Um, I'm actually going to also jump back into No Man's Sky. Uh, They just did a pretty cool update, mostly focusing on the VR stuff, which, I mean, (laughs) that looks really cool. I don't really have the technology, the hardware to do that. But there are a few other things. There is an expedition uh, that is in there as well that looks pretty cool. I haven't actually done one as they've come out. The only expeditions I did were in around Christmas time where they kind of redid the expedition redux is what they called it. Redux? Redo? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, you got to do them again uh, where they did that. But it was a very, very short time constraint. So there was actually a really cool YouTuber that I was watching and following where he actually made these really good videos of how to do the expeditions. Um, in a small time frame, which, of course, I don't have hours and hours to burn on a two-week expedition, uh, whereas this one, actually, I think is like six weeks, and I think we're four and a half or five weeks into it, so I should have enough time if I start playing that, hopefully tonight, actually. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be going over Super Mario World. This is a great game. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have already played it, but if you haven't, definitely give it a try. Uh, it was released on the Super Nintendo way back in 1991. Um, I believe it was a launch title of the Super Nintendo, at least in North America. Uh, of course, it was a sequel of sorts to Super Mario Brothers uh, 1, 2, 3. That was on the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, this one was probably the best platform in my opinion the best 2d super mario world so let's have a listen to uh, some of the little bit of music and then we'll get into a few different things we're going to talk about the gameplay we're going to talk about things like the different power-ups bosses things like that uh, i do like to go over the music and sound as well uh sort of how long it's going to take as i said being a parent playing video games knowing how long things are going to take can make a big difference Um, I'm also going to look at speedruns of the game. Um, I do enjoy speedrunning quite a lot, and it's nice to kind of see what people do in these games, uh, especially the older games, and how talented uh, people can be in the games. It's quite uh, impressive what they can do. Uh, And then one of the last things that we'll do is sort of look at how, you know, and I'll put this in air quotes, like, kiddable the game is. So such as, you know, how the controls are, and, you know, how the game works, and how easy it is, and, you know, the controller in general. And would that be available for uh, a child uh, from all sorts of ranges of age? So let's take a listen to some of the music, and then I'll be right back, and we'll get into the gameplay. And that is the title music of Super Mario World. Absolutely fantastic song. And I think just an absolute great way to really start your Super Nintendo experience. You know, you get it, you unbox it, you plug it in, you're all excited. You have Super Mario World, it came with the console. 
And then that's what you're greeted with. Uh, again, music, very important to me. So that is a great, great way to uh, sort of initially experience this game. Uh, so we'll get into the gameplay now. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure most of you, hopefully, most of you, if not, uh, if you haven't played the game or haven't played a 2D Mario, uh, fairly straightforward. You know, it is your 2D platformer, you know, side, left, right. You know, you can jump. Uh, you can get all sorts of different power-ups, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, the basics of the gameplay is that you kind of, most levels, uh, you go from left to right, um, you know, hopping on enemies here and there, you know, Goombas, Koopas, things like that, and just doing general platforming, uh, getting to the end. And at the end of each level is a, um, you know, it's funny, at the end of each level, I never really knew what it was for many, many years. And now I realize it's kind of like a finish line. And it goes from the very bottom to the very top, kind of like ooh, up and down, up and down. And wherever Mario hits that banner gives him an X amount of stars. Uh, eventually, once you get 100 stars, you get to a bonus level. But um, I never knew that it was natural sort of finish line, like at a marathon race kind of thing. You break through the tape. I had no clue. Um, the, so I, I, that was always an interesting thing when I realized that is like all those things that you don't realize when you're a kid and then poof, here you are. So as I said, going left, right, up, down, all those fun things. Um, and of course, when you're doing this, you will get different power-ups. Um, so Mario has had absolutely classic power-ups from the very, very first Super Mario Brothers on the NES, uh, the mushroom. I mean, we all should know what the mushroom's going to do for us. It'll make you bigger. That's it. So you have little Mario, now you have big Mario. And when you're big Mario, you get an extra hit. So, I mean, if someone hits you, a Goomba, a Koopa, whatever, uh, you get hit by that, hit by a piranha plant, you're going to be able to take that hit, but you go back down small. Uh, the nice thing with that, though, too, is that when you're bigger, you can now break some blocks as well. Uh, but the downside is, is when you're bigger, now you are bigger. So there's more of Mario to hit kind of thing. So even though sometimes the mushroom's a great thing to have, if you're small, you can sneak into little areas. Maybe there's a place that, or sorry, excuse me, a place that you can't get into as big Mario, but you need to be little Mario. So do you take the hit briar and then you just sneak in, but who knows what you're going to go to next. Uh, other power-ups that you're going to have, fire flower, that one there makes you big and lets you shoot little balls of fire. Go bloop, bloop, bloop. And it also allows you to actually hurt enemies so you know some enemies like the goombas little guys one hit kill easy right really helps when you're you know going through the level and you're not too sure what's there you can use that as a ranged weapon of sorts so you're not getting right in the face of the baddies uh, other uh, enemies may have more hits required uh, but at least you have the fire and then you can do that and again because mario is big with fire you're not going to uh, just die in that one hit. You do get, you know, the second hit. Um, now, just to keep in mind as well, if you fall down into lava or into a hole, you're you're toast either way. Doesn't matter if you're big, you have a fire, whatever it may be, you're you're done. You have to start that level over. Uh, next item that I want to show and uh, sort of talk about is the feather. So the feather is something that was sort of introduced in Super Mario Brothers three uh, as the uh, leaf. Uh, the leaf allowed you to do some sort of flying. Now the feather is just kind of, you know, flying plus kind of thing. Uh, it gives you a cape that you can spin around with, similar to the little uh, tanuki tail that you had in Mario 3. And then it also allows you to fly and do proper flying. You can fly kind of indefinitely if you're uh, pretty good at it. There's a little bit of a trick to it, but yeah, once you get up there, you can generally fly indefinitely. Now this is a way to, you know, get through a lot of levels 
fairly easily. If you can get good at flying, you can go through a lot of levels just by kind of flying over the whole thing. Uh, some levels will actually prevent you sort of from doing that simply because they'll put enemies up high or to build a big wall. So sure, you may be able to fly or at least get started, but then you get stopped at some point. Uh, next on my list is the Superstar, and this one just absolute classic. Um, again, found in Super Mario Brothers 1. The Superstar allows you to uh, pretty much be invincible. Changes the music, great music on that one. Again, music, you know how it is. The music changes, you're you know invincible for, let's say, maybe uh, 20 or so seconds, and anything you touch, uh, any enemy that you touch, they just one hit gone. Um, and then also, if you're walking over something that would normally damage you, this generally uh, helps you. Again, lava, holes, that's not going to uh, stop you from dying with that stuff. Uh, and then the next one is kind of a really unique one, and only in, I'd say, maybe like just a handful of levels. It's the Power Balloon. And you know, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was called a Power Balloon. I thought it was just called the P. Uh, but pretty much what it does is uh, when you touch it, Mario fills up like a big old balloon and he floats. And I'll be honest with you, the controls when he's floating are very difficult they're very slow and delayed and lumbering and on some levels especially the very later levels so super uh, you know the secret levels uh, are uh, there's a section where you have to use this and it's very very difficult i almost always have to uh, try a few times on that one for sure um, and then probably the most iconic extra on top of just being a power this is kind of a power but a little bit different and of course that is yoshi uh yoshi mario's little green dinosaur buddy uh he was introduced in this game and to step back a little bit that's what the game's actually about you start the game and you're on dinosaur island and yoshis have been kidnapped by uh bowser and his koopalings and pretty much you have to go to each Koopaling, rescue all the Bowsers, and then, or sorry, not the Bowsers, rescue all the Yoshis, and then at the very end of it, you rescue, of course, Princess Peach. Uh, but yeah, each one you do, uh, you rescue all these different ones in different colors of Yoshis as well. Uh, and the colors actually mean a thing. So green is your classic Yoshi. He does everything you need him to do. Uh, depending on what he eats as shells will depend, or sorry, will determine uh, what he might do. So green shell, he'll eat it, hold it in his mouth for a little bit. Uh, eventually will swallow, but if you spit it out, it'll just be a shell that, you know, slides along the ground. A blue shell will actually allow him to fly. He'll get little wings. And it, that flying is super easy. So if you ever want to, you know, be flying through a level, if there's a Yoshi and a blue shell, that's the easiest way. Now, again, all these shells, he'll eventually just swallow them. So you have a limited amount of time. You can't fly through a whole level unless the level is very short. Uh, but yeah, you'll have to, you know, be aware of that. Otherwise, you're flying, 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 and then suddenly drop and, you know, probably going to go into a hole. Uh, next on our list of that, guys, is the yellow shell. So these ones are really weird. What they do is while your Yoshi holds it in his mouth, when he lands, he actually creates like a little dust cloud. He stomps on the ground. And if there's enemies, enemies, uh, sorry, any enemies next to Yoshi when he lands, he just hit, hurts them. I'm not sure if it's a one-hit kill on everything, but I think most things it's going to be a one-hit kill. And then finally on that one, the red shells are fireballs. So... He eats it, and if you spit it out, three fireballs kind of go out in like an arcing pattern. And if they hit, it's just like your fire flower. It'll do some damage on those guys. Um, so those are the power-ups. Uh, my personal favorite, um, when I was a kid, it was the feather. Because it made every level that you could fly through so, so much easier. Now, though, I kind of like the fire flower. I like 
the uh, the feather is great for those specific situations. But one thing is that when you jump and if you hold jump and you want to go real high, and if you keep holding it with the feather, you'll actually glide down. So it makes it much much easier to land on maybe just a one block wide uh, spot. But over the years. <clears throat> don't want to toot my own horn but I have gotten better and so I actually like the fire flower because it's a little bit more of a consistent control uh, and plus it makes you big so you get the extra hit and the fire so then if you want to hit some enemies from a distance you can so personally yeah as I said I'd say fire flower feather kind of up there I mean the star is a classic and of course you know Yoshi Yoshi's great uh, he gives you another hit so if you get hit with Yoshi he goes and like kind of runs around you can get back on him I mean if he falls into lava or hole yeah he's done for kind of thing so um so next on my list of things that i want to chat about is actually about the bosses themselves so as i said the story is um the bowser and the koopalings um and this one's an interesting one the koopalings i've never really found out and i've looked around there's no real confirmation i think that they're his children i think they're just more of like you know minions per se like this is his uh, group um, I know that Bowser Jr. in uh, other games, I can't remember when he gets introduced in games, but he is the uh, child of Bowser. And you got to wonder, who is the mother of Bowser Jr.? That would be interesting to find that out. But either way, the Koopalings, there are seven of them. And it's really cool because all of them are named for uh, different musical artists. Um, and so there's technically seven but there's kind of only four boss fights because they kind of reuse a little bit. Um, so you have Iggy, Morton, Lemmy, Ludwig, Roy, Wendy, and Larry. Um, so, for instance, you know, uh, Ludwig um, uh, van Beethoven, I believe it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. But either way, again, these are all different um, uh, musical artists. I know that Lemmy is from Motorhead, I believe. Uh, I think he may have been the um, lead singer. Uh, but nonetheless, again, like made after or sorry, named after different um, artists. And actually, some of them, they all look kind of funny. Uh, and they, I mean, they've all since been introduced into Mario Kart 8. And you can play them and see them in much more beautiful graphics and such, you know, crisp 3D. But like, yeah, they all had their own little look. Um, I mean, the other day, my hair kind of looked like one of them. I believe it's uh, Lemmy. It looks like a funny pineapple. So, yeah. Hair woke up, looked like that, so that was a fun time. <clears throat> anyway, so, the as I said, the bosses, there's technically seven bosses, but really four boss fights. And so what that is, is Iggy and Larry, um, Morton and Roy, Lemmy and Wendy all kind of share a boss fight. So, for instance, Iggy has this sort of rotating platform. It's almost like it's a teeter-totter. And so you land on there, he's on one side, you're on the other, and you're in lava. And then what you have to do is you either jump on him or you shoot fire, and he goes down and then into the lava. Uh, and then when you have Larry, it's the same thing, but there's little bits of fire that come up and makes it a little bit more challenging. Uh, Morton and Roy, they walk up the walls on either side, and when they get above you, or sorry, they walk up the walls, walk onto the ceiling, they're all sticky feet, and when they get above you, they'll actually fall and try to squish you. And what you can do is, as they're falling down, you just scoot out of the way, but if you don't jump, they'll sort of shock you and Mario will just kind of you know, freeze in place. So what you do is you move out of the way and you jump as they land so you don't get that shockwave, bop them, and then, you know, you're on your way kind of thing. Uh, do that three times and you're done. Uh, Lemmy and Wendy, this one's, a, I think, probably my favorite one. So it, what it is is there's, let's say, you know, six or seven pipes, uh, green pipes. And when 
you know, at, at a, the moment, Lemmy will pop up, but there'll be two decoys that look like him, but I mean, they're not like him at all kind of thing. It's very obvious, but in that, you know, sort of second moment, you might not be able to recognize Lemmy versus the decoy. If you hit a decoy, it just means that you have to hit Lemmy an extra time kind of thing. You just didn't hit him. It continues on. There's no real negative otherwise, that, other than the boss fight lasting a little longer. So either way, Lemmy and uh, Wendy will pop up. The difference between Lemmy and Wendy's is that Lemmy's is all the pipes are flat. Like sort of they're all uh, the same height kind of thing. So Mario can just run across all of them. Whereas Wendy's, they're at different heights. So he can't run around. And Wendy, I think, has two fireballs that are bouncing around in there. So hers is actually really cool. Adds quite a cool challenge to it uh, over Lemmy's, whereas Lemmy's is fairly straightforward. Wendy's is, you know, adds that twist to make it a little bit more difficult. And then, excuse me, finally, Ludwig, uh, that one there, he spits fires and then he jumps over, like, over you. And then he'll do these, like, shell slides after you hit him where he kind of goes into a shell and just kind of chases you around. You just have to jump over him a bunch. But what you can do is, you know, as soon as he stops, jump on him, he does it again, so on and so forth. And this one here, I've always thought it's called kind of like the Nintendo 3. Whenever there's a boss fight in a lot of Nintendo games for many, many years, and you can go from, again, Super Mario World all the way up even to uh, Odyssey, Super Mario um, Odyssey, a lot of boss fights will take three hits to uh, take them down. Um, so again, Morton Roy, Lemmy Wendy, and all, all Ludwig are all three bops on top of the head, and then they're gone. You can use fire on them as well, uh, I believe on all of them, not 100% sure, but I think on all of them you can hit them with fire. That's not three, you hit them until they die kind of thing. Um, so those are the main, those are the Koopalings. So each time you beat a Koopaling, it's actually really cool because you go through the castle, it's the boss area, go through the castle... You, which is a more difficult area. You can't have Yoshi's in there. Yoshi's too scared to go in the castle. It's kind of funny. Uh, so you go in there, you get to the castle, you beat the boss, and then what happens is each one, there's a little uh, Yoshi and an egg bouncing around. So I, I can't remember which is which, but let's say Iggy will have, you know, a red Yoshi and an egg. So he'll be, you know, bouncing around, bouncing around in his little egg, and then you beat him, and then Mario kind of, like, has him with him sort of thing. And eventually, after the end of the game, he has all these little eggs that, you know, Yoshi, the Yoshis of the island, the adult ones that are obviously not in eggs, are very happy to see and have back in their little, you know, forest. So each time you do this, you do that, it gives you a little bit of story, like, oh, you know, Mario beat Lemmy, or whatever it may be, and he's like, on to his next one. But each castle gets destroyed in a really cool way. So first one or one of them maybe mario just jumping on top of the castle and again these are not massive castles at this point they're not that much bigger than mario he's jumping on it and it just sinks into the ground there's another one mario gets his big hammer out and he goes and it goes on the uh, castle and he actually takes it out completely that way and becomes rubble uh one of my favorites is uh where he i think he puts a bomb or some dynamite at the bottom of it and it shoots up like a rocket into the sky above the screen and then you see it appear smaller at the back and it hits a little uh, mountain with a smiley face and then when it does that the mountain now has a little bandage a cross bandage on its forehead <laughs> and so they and then when you're out of the level in the background of the world map area that mountain now has a little bandage on it for the rest of the game i always thought that was really funny because he shoots a rocket into a mountain and then poof there you go there's a little bandage on it because that mountain has feelings you know he wants to have his little head taken care of uh and then another one that's really good is he kind of does a window cleaner action on it so the uh, castle's there and he goes like 
squeak, 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 and he literally just erases it out of existence. So, again, the that part I think is actually a really neat one. Just that little uniqueness of how he kind of destroys each castle and gets past them, sort of thing. Um, so even though those are the main seven bosses. Uh, and of course, Bowser, he's our big bad boy at the end of the game. There's actually a couple, uh, what they were called fortresses. So they're similar to castles. Yoshi doesn't like him, he's too scared. And uh, they are, you know, just a challenging area that you go through. And at the end, um, there would be what they called Resners. And uh, I think there's, I want to say there's two or three of these fortresses in the game. Yeah, something like that. And what they are, they look like uh, Triceratops. And there's four of them, and they're on rotating platforms around each other. And uh, when you arrive at it, you go up, and they're rotating, but the ground below them actually starts disappearing you know, piece by piece, and there's lava below. So you have to actually hit them from below, and maybe with fire? Again, I'm not 100% sure, but maybe with fire. Um, and you have to take out all four uh obviously before you get hit or before you go in the lava those are uh, really challenging i found but one thing i learned was that i kind of just i give her and i go running right into it and then i go jump 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 and i was i'm the quicker i go the faster i'm able to take it out because it's harder as it goes on longer and these are only uh, you know if i can do it real quick i'm looking at like a a five to eight second fight like they're not very long um but if you take your time and you, you know, are patient with it sort of thing, it can be tricky because as all these platforms are rotating, they're, oh, they're also shooting fireballs at you as well. Uh, so it can get a little wild if you take too long kind of thing. But again, getting it quick, there's the risk of just getting hit and, you know, falling into lava right away kind of thing. Uh, and then there's another special type of level, and they're ghost houses. So these ones, again, Yoshi, he's kind of a, a pansy. He doesn't like going into these as well. So if you have Yoshi and you get up to a fortress, a castle, or a ghost house, you get up and the door opens and you just jump off Yoshi because Yoshi's like, nah, man, I'm not going in there. It's, have you seen it? It's a ghost. I don't really blame Yoshi. I don't want to go in a ghost house, right? Anyway, so you go into ghost house and this is where you have the little booze where, you know, there are little ghosts floating around. And when you look at them, some of them will stop. They won't move. But then when you turn your back to them, they'll come at you well, fairly slow, right? And then you look back, and then they stop, turn, and they come after you. It, it's a neat little mechanic again, right, of those little, like, how you can uh, do those enemies. Um, and then you have the little ones that are about the size of a normal, you know, small Mario. And then you have the big ones that are quite large, actually. I'd say twice the height of Mario. Um and I mean, they're a circle, they're a big ghost kind of thing. And those are the big boos. And that's kind of what the bosses are at the end of each of these as well, if there's a boss. Not all of them do. Um, so you get there, you have your big boo, you have to fight him, and then, you know, continue on sort of thing. Um, with this as well, a lot of the ghost houses have secret exits. And we'll get into the exits in a few, but um, you can finish it normally, or you can do a secret. And it just goes to a different branching path on the map kind of thing. Um, but as I said, we'll get into the exits in more detail in a little bit. Uh, and the last boss, of course, as I said, Bowser. Um, fairly straightforward uh, uh, final fight. I, again, when I was a kid, more challenging. Now, eh, it's pretty kind of like straightforward. His patterns are very uh, consistent sort of thing. Um, but still, fun fight. And, you know, he has Peach in his little floating smiley face car 
thing, which is actually kind of scary when you think of it because clowns are terrifying. But he goes around, does his little fight. He, he'll drop these sort of weird mecha Koopa things on you. Um, that That's what you use to actually do damage to Bowser sort of thing. Um, so when you finally take him out, uh, the little flying car thing flips upside down. Our lovely princess falls down and poof, you have beaten the game. Everyone's all happy. Yay, Peach. Um, so the again, the end of the game, uh, the credits are actually fantastic. You're actually walking with Peach on Yoshi, both of you guys, and you're walking with all the eggs back to the dinosaur forest and they all hatch. I mean, that's kind of nice. Like that's kind of the, the meat of the game is like, hey, this is what you worked for. You went and rescued all the Yoshis. Now they're back and they're hatching and everyone's all happy. So, I mean, again, fun game, simple way to end it sort of thing. It's not the, you know, most in-depth story. No. Uh, but, I mean, that's really not what the game is. The game's all about the gameplay, the, uh, you know, the levels themselves, the power-ups, the enemies, those kind of thing. Each individual level. Uh, the overarching story is, as I said, is, it's pretty light. There's not that much to it. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the exits. Uh, so exits is a weird way to say levels. Um, so first off, there are 96 ex exits in the game, and I'll explain what that is in a minute. But pretty much that is not how many levels there are in the game. Um, I actually don't know off the top of my head how many levels there are, but I'd say maybe about 60 or so levels um, where you can go through. And then what happens is as you're going through the level, maybe you, know, you find a key and it goes through a different exit versus the normal you know as i said that finish line banner kind of thing so what happens is you go through the key you do that exit and then on the world map you go right instead of up for instance that it goes to a new level that you can go to a secret ish level kind of thing um, one thing that's a really cool tip is that on the world map if the level sort of um uh, it can be either yellow or red uh, it'll be glowing in the middle of it. If it's yellow, it has one exit. If it's red, it has more than one exit. It could have two, or it could have three. I don't believe there's any levels with four. Uh, definitely not five, because you can only go on one uh, up, down, left, right kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, if you ever see a level that you're in, and you're about to go into it, and it has red, you're like, oh, that's kind of the, the clue that, hey, there's more than one exit kind of thing. Also, the map is, for the most part, fairly obvious that, hey, if I do this, I might be able to go right or up um, on a lot of things. On some of them, though, you might have absolutely no clue. Uh, for an example, in the second world, um, there's actually a, a secret on the second level that lets you go left. But if you look at the main map, or the world map, sorry, when you're playing, you have absolutely no clue that there's something to the left. You would have no idea. Right? It's just because when you explore that secret area and you go out that exit, you'll actually, it'll kind of like, you know, demolish the little hills there and then another level will appear kind of thing. Um, the main map, you know, the main path that you go on where you have all the normal exits, those ones, again, very straightforward, but some of the secret ones are definitely uh, more tricky to find. Um, so as I said, there's 96 exits. There are secrets coming out of you know, the ghost houses out of, you know, regular levels. Um, and then you actually will find at some point uh, when you do these secret exits, you'll find what's called Star Road. So Star Road kind of has almost, I'd say, three purposes. Or actually, maybe even more than that. So the first one is where you will, um, when you find this exit, what it is, it looks like a superstar on the map. 
And when you press it, it'll make a fun noise and you'll shoot off into the sky. And then up here, it's a star-shaped map. And each point is a star road. And each sort of inner point of the star is a level. One of the star road levels. And I believe, I'm counting in my head, I think there's five or six levels up there. Um, so there's not a huge amount up there. But each one that you do has two exits. And so what happens is you beat it normally with the... Uh, you know, the banner or the, the finish line tape. Let's call it the tape. I think that makes sense. So you finish it with the tape and you don't actually go anywhere. You actually go back to where you were, like back to your little star road thing. It doesn't link up to the other star road. But if you beat the levels of their secret exit, then you go to the next star. Now, what's cool with this too is that you can do this. This is actually a way you can get through the game very quickly because what you can do is you go to Star Road in the first opportunity you have. If you beat all of them as the secret levels and you get to the sort of last Star Road point, that warps you into the last world of the game and gets you close to Bowser's Castle. In fact, it might get you right to it. So yeah, you can get through the game fairly quick that way. And that's one of the cool things about this game is that you can just do the normal pathing, right? Go through each level, finish one each one, you get to the end and you're happy, you're good. You can do all the exits. That's my preference because I like getting a little, you know, 100% completion kind of thing on there. Um, you can do all that 96 exits and go from there. Or you can kind of do a little bit of a mix. Like if you go on Star Road and you get to, let's say, the third point, maybe that leads to the fifth world. I don't know exactly which one leads to which off the top of my head, but when you get in there, then you can continue on. But you've missed world, you know, let's say three and four. Because you go for world one, you finish world two, you get your star road, you get to world five, and then you can continue on sort of thing. So if there's a specific world you're not a fan of, or even a level that you're having a hard time with, you can go into star road to kind of figure out a way to skip it. So again, that's that one point is the exits, two points is that sort of warping throughout the world. And then the other thing that's really cool is that each one of these star points, or the inner points, the levels, will actually have a uh, unique Yoshi. So again, remember I said the Yoshis are like the Yoshi you get is green, right? With the different color shells, he can do different sort of, you know, special talents, like called, let's call them. Uh, with the Yoshis that you find here, their color is not green. You will get a red Yoshi and then whatever shell he eats, he will spit fire from it. Yellow Yoshi, whatever shell that Yoshi eats, they will do the stomp. And the really cool one now is the blue Yoshi. The blue Yoshi, any shell you eat, is flying. So you can fly, and the cool thing with this is that if you want, you can go get the blue Yoshi. Then you can go back to a level that you're having a hard time with. And as long as it's a level that accepts Yoshi, so it's not a ghost house, the fortress, or the castle, you can go in to that, and now all of a sudden, any Koopa that you eat, Yoshi's gonna hold the shell in his mouth, and he can fly. So you can do super easy flying because it's just a button press. You jump and he goes, you fly, fly, fly kind of thing. And then he'll float down and you can jump and fly, fly, fly. Again, you just have to keep in mind when Yoshi, maybe a couple seconds before he's going to swallow the shell, he'll kind of, his cheeks are always full with the shell and it'll like go small, full, small, full, and then he'll swallow it and then you lose the wings. Uh, but yeah, you can do a lot of levels really really easily with that blue yoshi now i said earlier with the power balloon that level is super challenging and i don't know if you can actually get the blue yoshi to fly in that level because i don't think there's any 
uh, Koopa's in that level. There's no Koopas, there's no shells, therefore he doesn't get his, you know, special power-up. So even on that one, you still have to use that stupid power balloon and float around slowly and lethargically. It's not the greatest. So, again, this is the cool thing. So that's that other point of the Star Road is that, yeah, you can quickly hop in there, go there, grab a Yoshi that will help with you, and then, you know, get back to the level you're having some difficulties with. So that one's really cool. And then the very last level that's in the Star Road, if you beat that on secret, it goes to the middle of the map of the star map kind of thing. And then that takes you to special. Now this one has, I believe it's four and four or five and five special levels. These are the, you know, the hard levels in the game. And they're all really cool names like Tubular and... I can't remember any off the top of my head, but they're like the they're funny 80s sort of uh, names. I'm going to look it up right now. So, uh, But yeah, when you get here, again, this is like the creme de la creme. They're the hard levels kind of thing that uh, if you're in there as Small Mario or No Cape or No Blue Yoshi, a lot of them are very, very difficult sort of thing. Um, so yeah, they're... <laughs> Again, they're like, once you do all that, you're like, yes, I'm the best Super Mario World player kind of thing of the base game kind of thing. We'll get into other things like that another time. But yeah, like you go through there and, you know, you've beaten the game and done really, really, really well and kind of proven that you've been great. So let's see. Super Mario World special uh, levels. I just want to see the names because I think they're hilarious. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. It's gnarly, tubular, way cool, awesome, groovy, mondo, totally mondo, man, outrageous, and funky. Like, just absolutely just hilarious names kind of thing. Uh, the other ones are kind of just, um, you know, World 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 3, I believe. I don't think they actually have names to them. The, the areas, the worlds themselves have names, but the levels individually don't. Uh, so... Anywho, um, so yeah, that's what the special goes to. Um, and the cool thing is when you've hit your 96 exits um, and you've completed the game in a sense, that's the 100%. And it's so funny that they don't have 100. You'd think that they'd have 100 because that's how you get your completion sort of status of sorts. So the 96 exits, uh, once you've done that and you go back to the main menu, the game will actually change. The colors change a lot. All the Koopas now turn into these weird big head with mush or, or sorry not mushrooms big head with mustaches they're like a weird fake mario and <clears throat> they are now all the koopas and it's it's very odd uh and you get a little star next to your save file so that's how you know hey yeah i i got the 100 percent i'm the best super mario world player kind of thing so again i don't particularly know why they change but that's the clear obvious sign that yes i did it kind of thing so the next thing i want to chat about uh is actually about the music and sound so um in this sort of area i'm gonna go over the composer so koji kondo has been the composer of a lot of nintendo games a lot of mario games a lot of zelda games i mean especially those ones in that era super nintendo nintendo and n64 especially too uh fantastic fantastic music composer um i think a lot of people can say that, I mean, I personally love the Super Nintendo music. It's probably my favorite uh, console to generate music of the main consoles kind of thing. Um, it's just one of the things that I love about it is that it is so, there, there's limitations to it. And uh, people like Koji Kondo and other great composers were able to work with these limitations and really, really maxed out the capabilities of the system to make fantastic music. Um, and this one, again, music is one of those great nostalgia, 
you know, triggers. You hear certain songs, it's like, boom, takes you back. I mean, I played this game, uh, again, probably in 91, 92. I don't think we got a Super Nintendo uh, right from when it came out. I think it was in 92 or 93 when we got it, but I remember we got Mario with it. And uh, yeah, I'll think of it and I'll, I'll think back to um, when my parents, we went to Walmart and back then they had a giant TV. I mean, maybe it was only 36 inches. I mean, it was a CRT. Maybe it was only 36 because I, I was a little kid and everything was bigger, but there was a giant TV there and my brother and I would just get plunked in front of the TV. My parents would go do their shopping. We'd be playing Mario all the time. We get, we were great at it and we were having fun. And those are the memories when I hear certain songs that it just like takes me back there. And I mean, I'm 38 now and that was, I mean, we're 2023, let's say 93. That was 30 years ago. I mean, that just blows my mind that I can remember those memories from 30 years ago. I mean, music does that. So it's clean. It's classic. Um, I mean, some of my favorites of this game specifically is the title music. We heard that at the beginning of this podcast episode. Uh, Valley of Bowser. It's very foreboding. It's the uh, music of when you're in the final world where Bowser is. And it's like it's gritty and it's got a good punchy line to it. And it's cool because they integrate the thunder and lightning of Bowser in the background flying around in his little clown ship thing. And he integrate that into the music a little bit kind of thing. It kind of, you know, spices it up. Um, Star Road is just a classic one as well. It's like, it's a slowed down and kind of like a, a funky jazz version of the actual star. When you get a superstar to power up that music, it's kind of like a slower down jazzy version of that. It's just a fun one to listen to. Um, Overworld, which is one of the most common ones that's played while you're actually playing in a level. It's not actually on the map. It's one of just these simple levels. And again, that's just one of the classic ones and then this is a funny one when you die it's there's like a eight second sort of almost like jingle that one's fantastic it's iconic you know everyone who has played this game and kind of has an understanding of these older games when you hear that you're like oh yeah i died i gotta do it again kind of thing it's just it's one of those great again one of the great memory triggers kind of thing and even on the music side of thing the sounds of this game are just absolutely amazing too is the Nintendo logo, you put the cartridge in, you hit power, you know, you turn it off, you take it out, you blow into it because it doesn't work the first or second time, <laughs> you know, classic cartridge issues, pop that in and you turn it on and then you hear that Nintendo ding, and it's just classic. It really is just like, ah, I'm ready to play this game. Um, the sound of a coin being collected as well. I mean, that I think it's been tweaked a little bit over the years for different Mario's, but really it's been the same. Uh, and then the sounds that Yoshi makes when you get on him, when you give him a... I didn't realize this when I was a kid again, but for him to do the, the tongue reach out and grab things to eat things, Mario would just give him a bop on the back of the head. And I'm like, well, that's kind of mean. He's just like, go Yoshi, eat something. I'm like, that's how it was back then. You just give your dinosaur a bop and he wanted to eat something. So again, the music and sound of this game is just clean classic those are the ones those are those two words that are just going to work for it really really well in my opinion so the next thing i kind of want to chat about is the time commitment so in this sort of area what i'm thinking of like hey how much time as a parent now this is where i want to get into that whole parent thing is that how much time as a parent can i spend to play this game now if this is like a hundred hour game and i only get a couple hours a week to play that, that's like a year to finish this game kind of thing. Uh, now, of course, this is not that game. Super Mario World is not that long. Um, so 
one of the coolest resources that I found is a website called howlongtobeat.com. Um, so I'll link for this specific uh, game, I'll link that uh, URL, excuse me, in the description of it, so then you can kind of go right to it. But pretty much what it is, is uh, it breaks down how to beat a game, or how long to beat a game, sorry, um, in just like a general way. If you're playing it like normal, you're not going for absolutely everything, that's what this category is, they call it main. Uh, so this one for Super Mario World is about five hours. I mean, that that's not terrible. If you're looking to play this, you know, in the evening after kiddos have gone to bed, you know what? It depends on how long you stay up. Hey, maybe you get to play it in one night, maybe two nights. I think that's pretty good. Uh, now, on the flip side of that, if you want to go for that completionist run, get all those 96 exits, then that one is about nine and a half hours. Now, this thing, again, how long to beat is really cool simply because the all the data is put out there by people. So some people who are really, really good at the game and fly through it, versus people who have never played it before and they're getting into it for the first time, then you kind of get the averages. So if you're on one end or the other, then you'll know. Like for instance, myself, I'm generally, I want to say maybe 15 to 20% slower than the average on how long to beat. And again, that's because I, you know, pick up on a play an hour, maybe two, a couple nights a week, so I'm not really dived in and like playing the whole time. I'm having to, you know, get up to speed and get it set up and all these little things. So yeah, for me, I'm a little bit longer than what it would say. Uh, now, Super Mario World, I'm probably quicker just because I've played it many, many times and I really kind of, you know, I know what I'm doing with it. I'd say for like 85, 90% of it kind of thing. So yeah, the How Long to Beat is a really cool resource because if you're looking at a game, you're like, oh, do I want to buy this game? Sure, let's take a look, you know, How Long to Beat. Oh, okay. Like, <clears throat> uh, some time ago on the PlayStation, I um, was uh, I started up Persona 5, and it was really cool. And then I took a look, and how long to beat for, like, a normal run-through kind of thing was about 100 hours. I love JRPGs. I literally said to my wife, I'm like, I don't think I can beat this game in a year. It will take me more than a year to beat. And that would be the only game I play. And... I have a limited amount of time, like a lot of people, especially parents, where I just don't really want to spend all that time in one game. It's just it, it's just too much. So, I mean, I really was enjoying it. I mean, even my wife was enjoying the story as unusual and really weird as it was. Um, but I just didn't really want to continue on because I didn't want to commit so much of my time to this one game. So again, how long to beat? Cool resource for that. So as I said, main for Super Mario World, five hours. Completionist, nine and a half. So I would say, you know, maybe a week for, I would say myself, if I were to be that nine and a half to get all 96 exits. But again, I've done it enough times that I could probably do it much quicker. So um, now onto the speed run of this. So um, on this one here, as of uh, when I wrote my notes, um, the speed run record uh, for someone here um, is the 96 exit. 96 exits is uh, Usui, I think, is maybe how you say it. And it's one hour. Again, we go back to our 95, 9.5 for completionists. This person did it in one hour, 21 minutes, and 17 seconds. That is insane. And if you ever are interested in looking at speedruns, um, 
my personal preference is a lot of games where they don't do the glitches to get through things. Maybe a little bit of stuff, but not ones where they break through the floor and just disappear and then poof, there's the credits. Uh, that one's as cool as a technical feat as that is. It's not something where I want to see, you know, would watch it repeatedly. So the 96 exits nice because they have to hit every single exit. There's a whole bunch of other categories as well. Um, there's uh, pretty much what they would call any percent where it's like you do it with absolutely any rules that's it um uh, there's all castles there's no cape there's no cape no star world like there's one called lunar dragon that one was is actually quite interesting because what that is is there's moons in the game and there's dragon coins in the game so each level has five dragon coins when you collect the five dragon coins and uh, it has at least i think i said at least five dragon coins when you get five you have to get a one up so i mean you're playing through the game normally hey it gives you more uh, more lives more you know survivability of sort of thing um and this one here does moons and a moon gives you three ups so this one this category for instance all 96 exit all moons and at least five dragon coins and levels that have at least five so there's specific rules for that one and of course that one versus just your normal 96 exit you don't have to get all the dragon coins you don't have to get all the moons um and so for an example in lunar dragon usui has done that in one hour 30 minutes and 43 seconds and the 96 exit is that one hour 21 17. so i mean this person can do it in nine more minutes to collect even more things um there's even one for zero exit i have absolutely no clue what that is 41 seconds those are the ones i mean it's 41 seconds 22 milliseconds the second place is 41 seconds 350 milliseconds so they're checking down to the millisecond as cool as that is it is it seems very again glitchy and like exploiting all those things my preference is just like hey let's see the game and see how it goes kind of thing um, so again, the speedrun for uh, Usui on speedrun.com, that's where a lot of the sort of tracking of uh, speedrun records are. That one I'll also link in the description sort of thing. But I mean, they're absolutely so cool to watch. And uh, again, if you're interested in speedrunning in any sort of uh, <clears throat> little inkling of speedrunning, this is a fantastic game to check because there's such cool um, technical skill level required for it, like incredibly good skill level that they would be a lot of fun to watch. So, highly recommend that one. So, this next part is, I, again, my kiddable section. So, this is something where I want to kind of have an understanding and share my thoughts of this game related to a child. So, my son right now is almost two months old. He isn't really into video games too much. Now, don't get me wrong. He's great at Mario Kart 8. You put on those little, you know, uh, assistance things. He has a blast. He has, uh, I actually got him trying, um, I think it was Super Mario World or even Super Mario Brothers, just putzing around. I mean, who cares if he dies? He's learning how the controls work. So um, he does enjoy it, but again, he's not really into it too much. Now, an older kid, maybe let's say five or six kind of thing. Um, I think this would be a fantastic starting game. I mean, when I was younger, this is the game I started on. Super Mario Brothers. I, we didn't have a Nintendo when I was younger, but I could see, you know, you have a D-pad, you have an A button and a B button. That's it. Now, this one has obviously more ABXY, shoulder buttons, all that fun stuff. But for the most part, all you ever need to do to get through that first level is your D-pad, your A button. I mean, you might not even need your A button. You just need, actually, A is jump or is Y jump. Whatever the jump button is, I can't remember off the time. It's all muscle memory. But whatever you need is uh, moving around and jumping. That's it. 
You don't really need to run on the first level. And, I mean, you beat your first level, you're on your way kind of thing. So the controls are great. Now, one thing that I think is hilarious is if you think of the most dangerous enemy in any video game in history um, is going to be the Goomba in the very first level of Super Mario Brothers as well as Super Mario World, is that when you first start the game, if you don't move, that little guy will just come up to you and bop you, and there you go, there's one life. So I think it's hilarious. I have died on that many times. And again, I've played the game many times. Because I started, I might not be fully paying attention. Or even the simplest thing. I forget which button it is to jump and I just run right into him. A little embarrassing, but I think it's hilarious at the same time. Um, it's bright. It's colorful. Those are always things that you know attract younger children kind of thing. Um, you have lives in the game. Um, you can save the game only at castles, uh, fortresses, and ghost houses. Once you beat that, you get that option to save. Um, I don't believe there's a way to save it kind of just at any time. Um, but nonetheless, you have lives, but there's a lot, there's an easy way to get more. And actually, the second world, there's a top secret area. So if you're going to be playing with your kiddo, you can unlock the top secret area, and then they can go in there and just get a life, run out come back get a life run out come back i mean i used to do that if i was going on to a hard level and maybe i stock on 10 12 lives and then continue on sort of thing um so even though you have lives it's very easy to get more even if you don't do that level there's many many other levels that you can do which gives you tons of lives so there's a lot of ways to kind of you know increase that survivability by just stocking up um you can play it on a modern console switch perfect place to play it um, on your Nintendo Switch Online, you know, subscription, you have that. There's save states. So if you're like, oh, this level's really tough. Oh, I got past the hard part. You can do a save state after. There's no shame in doing that. Absolutely no shame. Especially, again, in my kind of idea is that we have the... We have less time as we get older. Work gets in the way. Events get in the way. Of course, children... and I don't want to say get in the way because that sounds aggressive, but children's attention is required. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's less time. So if you do save states, absolutely no shame in it whatsoever. If it's a hard part, get her done, save it, move on kind of thing. And you can even do rewind on there too. So if you make a jump and you're like, ooh, that didn't go so well, you can just rewind four seconds back and then just do it again. And then there you go. I think they're a fantastic way to make older games more accessible. Again, Super Nintendo games kind of made it... Um, there was a little bit, there was enough meat there, so you didn't need to make it ultra difficult to stretch out the game. Nintendo games, uh, older Master System, maybe some Genesis games too, they would have the ultra high difficulty, so then you had the sort of illusion that it was a longer game, but in reality it was only 45 minutes long. But because you die every two seconds, it's a four hour game kind of thing. So... The game, even though it starts off fairly, I don't want to say easy per se, but um, simplified, at the end, in some of the later levels, it can get pretty tough. And especially those special levels, the Star World levels, those secret levels, you don't have to do them, but if you want to get that 96, yeah, it can get pretty tough. So even though, yeah, the kids may be able to get through World 1, World 2, World 3, they might start up struggling... After that, it can definitely get a bit more challenging. So, I mean, it depends. If if they're going to play through and they're going to practice and they're going to keep going, keep chugging, you know, giving her, then, you know, they'll, they'll make it through for sure. Um, if you're interested in games too, of course, which you probably are listening to me chatter on here, then, yeah, you'll probably be able to help them out sort of thing. So, the game gets tough, but it's still, it's fair. Think of it that way. It's not like it's cheap. 
kind of thing. I mean, again, the Power Balloon special level, that's cheap. I'm, I'm going to say that. I, I'm not a fan. So, um, And then co-op is an option, but it isn't where you play together. So what happens is you have player one, player two. You have Mario and then, you know, Green Mario, a.k.a. Luigi. Um, in this game, I don't think that there are any different in other Mario games. Luigi had maybe, you know, uh, a little bit more of a floaty jump kind of thing, can jump a little bit higher, but his speed was a little bit different sort of thing, so he, he controlled differently. In this, I believe it's kind of like Mario, Green Mario kind of thing. And so what happened is, you know, let's say I'm player one, I'm Red Mario, uh, my boys, you know, Green Mario, I'm playing along, I'm playing, and, and I die. Then he gets to play. He goes along, he goes along, he dies, and I get to play. And we go back and forth. When you die, you kind of switch. And you could do this even as a one-player game. Oh, I die, you pass the controller. But this, you can technically use two controllers. The downside is if there's a, a large skill uh, gap. So, as I've said, and again, toot the old horn, I am I would say I'm quite good at this game. Um, so, I would play for most of the game, have a death, and then he would get to play. And maybe he dies right away. Well, that's not very fun for him kind of thing right so he doesn't get to play that much so yes technically there's co-op but it's not really the greatest co-op it's it at least they put the option in there think of it that way um so yeah i mean if if i would prefer to just watch my son play rather than play with him in this specific game so that's kind of the whole shebang of what i wanted to talk about about super mario world um awesome game definitely in my top 10 games uh, of all time, 100% it is. Um, I am definitely a more uh, fan of uh, RPGs, uh, that sort of classic JRPG turn-based things, which we'll get into another time. Uh, but this is still just absolute cream of the crop. I don't really have anything negative to say about it, which I think is quite clear as we talked about it. Um, I just I love the game. It's so good, so much fun. I can go through it, and I could probably pick it up this afternoon, play it, and have a great time. Uh, it has aged so, so well that it's almost like they don't need to make more because it's so good, but I mean, I still want more Marios. Don't stop making Marios, Nintendo, please. So for me, I would give this a perfect score. It's a 10 out of 10 simply because I can't think of anything negative about it. Um, so just straight up, top tier game. It's one of the greatest. And as I said, it's in my top 10. So that is the end of my very first podcast of uh, the Parent Playing Video Games podcast, my podcast in general. Um, it was an absolute blast. Had a lot of fun talking about something I'm incredibly passionate about, video games in general, Super Mario World, such an awesome game. I'm super happy uh, that I get to share this with you, uh, whoever it is that may be listening. Um, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to be doing these episodes on a two-week schedule, so uh, if you're interested, you know, please do the old subscribe thing on the podcasting app, wherever you may be. Um, if you have any uh, comments or anything like that, uh, I believe you can leave reviews on them. I would really appreciate that. Love to hear any comments, feedback, anything like that that anyone has. Um, I would also like to end with something that is near and dear to my heart, which is a dad joke. Two peanuts were walking in an alley. One was assaulted. And with that, thank you very much. Have a great day. Give your kids a hug. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Goodbye.